listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. In My Veins by an Extraordinary Muse on AO3. No one knows why they're so scarce now, soulmates. It used to be that you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who didn't have a soulmate, who hadn't found them, but these days the rarity goes the other way. Overpopulation, some people cry. How the hell can you be expected to find your soulmate when there's more people on Earth now than there has ever been before? A lack of connection, other people cry. No one has any roots anymore. Nothing to tie them to the places where they're most likely to find their perfect other. Never mind that no one actually knows how soulmates find each other in the first place. That there's never been a concrete answer to any of the questions. Why do they exist at all? Why do some soulmates find each other and others don't? What determines whether your soulmate is romantic or platonic? That one is still hotly contested whether or not soulmates can be platonic at all. But it's gained a lot more acceptance in the last two decades, as well as encouraged more questions. Is it really the case that soulmates exist less and less, or just that they're harder to find? That's the big question these days. Less common doesn't mean non-existent, however, and Elliot only remembers this at the moment that his whole life changes. Detective Stapler, Olivia Benson, I'm your new partner. He shakes the hand that she's offering and the world snaps into focus. The second their palms touch, an electric current sings up his arm and leaves a frisson of excitement in its wake. He knows that Olivia has felt it because her mouth falls open with a quiet, surprised, Oh! Their hands fall away from each other at the same instant. They're left staring at each other in the chaos of the squad room of the 16th precinct, and the moment should be joyous. It is. Elliot can feel the overwhelming bubble of it forcing its way up his throat, but it's awful in a way that nothing else has ever managed to be. He's been married for 16 years the day he meets his soulmate. For all of the things they've never known about soulmates, it never occurred to Elliot that they could have the timing wrong. They don't tell Cragen. They don't tell anyone, actually, because how would that conversation go? It's harder for Elliot than it is for Olivia. She's not married with four kids at home. It's just her and her mother, and Serena Benson has never treated soulmates with anything but derision and vitriol, so Olivia doesn't have to think long about not telling her. It makes it worse, what happened to Serena, knowing that she's supposed to have a soulmate out there somewhere that she's never found that instead of having a child with the person who was meant for her, she instead had her rapist child. Olivia sees it sometimes when her mother looks at her and doesn't know she's looking, the blame, the resentment, for more than just the circumstances of her birth. Sees her mother looking at her as if Olivia is the reason she's never found her soulmate. So Olivia doesn't consider for even a single second telling her mother about Elliot, will do anything to keep that secret from her forever, in fact. 
They can't hide it, though. The way they are with each other is different, unlike the way they are with anyone else. The electric charge that constantly hums beneath their skin leads them to standing too close at all times and touching more than is necessary, because proximity and physical touch is the only thing that quiets the hum. The only thing that relieves the pressure that comes with being apart. So they give themselves away, and the people closest to them look at them like they know, but no one asks, and no one explains. Have you met your soulmate? A victim asks Olivia one day. The tear tracks on her face aren't even dry, and she's been through hell, and the question is timid but hopeful. Olivia only hesitates a little. I have, she answers quietly. Resolutely, doesn't look at her partner who is leaning against the wall behind her. She can feel him there. She can always feel him. Oh, the woman says. It's a little sad and a little odd. And then she brightens a little. Do you have a mark? My sister has one. It showed up the day she met her husband. It looks like a birthmark. Uh, no. No mark. It happens like that sometimes. Some soulmates have literal marks, tattoos, scars, birthmarks, but not all. Some soulmates are like her and Elliot, who have nothing visible to give them away. The connection soulmates share is as varied as soulmates themselves, and it's just another one of those things that no one understands. Oh, you're one of those. The victim's tone is wistful, longing, and it's not lost on Olivia how lucky she is. It's complicated to have a soulmate who is already married to another woman, to know that your perfect other belongs to someone else, and you. It's a hard line to walk, but they've been doing it for three years now, and no matter how difficult it is, Olivia knows that she won't give up Elliot for the world. They are soulmates. They belong together, to each other, and that's worth everything. Olivia's deepest desire her whole life has been to belong. Her only wish, to matter to someone who would love her despite the circumstances of her birth, despite the shame of her conception. Elliot is hers, and she is his, and that's the only religion Olivia has ever managed to believe in. What does it feel like? Olivia shifts in her seat. She's not uncomfortable, exactly, but this isn't something they talk about freely. Not something she's ever discussed with Elliot, and it's strange to realize how nonverbal so much of their communication has become. Electricity, Olivia says after a moment of consideration. Or bees. Bees, Elliot says suddenly from behind her, and she knows he's smiling before she glares at him over her shoulder. Like a buzzing, you mean? The victim clarifies. Isn't that annoying or distracting at least? You get used to it, Olivia answers, unbothered. It's not as strong when you're close to each other. What about when you touch? I don't know. Olivia realizes how strange that sounds after she said it, how quickly the answer fell from her lips and rushes to erase the curious expression on the other woman's face. How to explain it? But her first answer is the truth. She doesn't know, because they try not to touch. They'd done it a lot in the first two years of their partnership, 
until they'd realized how overwhelming it is, how quickly it can start to feel like too much, how inexorably it draws them together and closer to a line that they can't cross. Elliot is married. She tells herself that a lot and hopes that it will continue to be enough, even though, sometimes, it feels like they're getting closer and closer to the day when it won't be. Olivia offers to drive the other woman home and urges her to talk to someone about what she's been through, to get help, and smiles when the other woman hugs her. She doesn't think about it again until hours later, when the squad room is only half-lit and most of the desks have emptied in the hours that she's had her nose buried in paperwork. Warm water. Elliot's voice is quiet and she lifts her head to stare at him in uncertainty, unsure if he's actually spoken or if she's just hearing things. What? When we touch, he clarifies. It's soothing, like warm water. The humming stops and it's just peaceful, Olivia supplies. They stare at each other for too long from across their desks. Yeah, he finally agrees. She's not sure why she doesn't remember that feeling. Maybe because before all she could catalog was the excitement that came from touching him, the way it would unfurl gossamer wings and try to fly out of her throat in a sound of jubilation. Olivia wonders if that would go away, over time, settle into something quieter. Maybe, if they were allowed to touch, would let themselves touch all the time, and were free to do so, there would come a day where Elliot's touch only brought a fond, bright smile to her face, instead of a wild, carefree laugh. Come on, Elliot decides after another thirty minutes. Let's call it a night. So Olivia grabs her coat and follows him to the elevator. They stand too close, their shoulders and arms touching, and she focuses on the sensation of it. The humming is quieter, but it's still there, and without thinking, she moves the hand that hangs between them and presses her fingers into his palm. The hum stops immediately. It's there one second and gone the next, and the feeling that sweeps over Olivia is indeed like a wave of warm water. Elliot's hand closes around her fingers. It's not quite a handhold, but it's not not a handhold either. And a tiny smirk steals over Olivia's face when she glances up at him. They stay like that for the rest of the elevator ride. It's a hell of a line they walk. They prefer to be together, around or with each other, more than not but it's hard for others to be around them. Hard for Kathy, specifically, and anyone who might have more than platonic intentions for Olivia. They do their best to leave each other alone outside of work hours for this reason, and because anyone would think that they'd be tired of each other's company after putting in 12 or 16-hour workdays. Sometimes it's true. There have been plenty of days that have seen them at each other's throats, arguing in the middle of the squad room and leaving with only a cool good night thrown out over their shoulders as they leave without looking back. They have no problem fighting, aren't afraid to hurl harsh words at each other, and everyone knows it. Cragen has had to intervene more than once, and Munch and Finn have diffused enough of their arguments to be old hat at it now. Even then, it's always there, that pure, bone-deep desire to be near each other, 
The anger and frustration and irritation hides it for a while. Everyone needs a break, no matter how much they love and care about each other, and makes it easier to ignore, but it's always there like an undercurrent. There, a rubber band that stretches and pulls with tension, but always snaps back to its rightful form with the release. So Elliot understands why it's sometimes hard to be around them, and it's just another reason that they do their best to leave each other alone outside of work. The holidays always seem to trip them up, though. Well, not the holidays themselves, because the actual day is devoted to spending time with his family, but the days just before or just after, when someone inevitably suggests that they get together in celebration. Of all people, it's somehow Cragen that gets the idea this year. At dinner, he suggests an evening away from the grime and death and darkness, and who is going to say no to their captain? Bring Kathy, Cragen says, then glances around at everyone else. Bring whoever you want. Elliot knows that it's hard for Olivia to see him with Kathy, the way it's hard for Kathy to see him with Olivia. Neither woman resents the other, exactly. They are civil, and even friendly, in fact, and Olivia is often better at making sure that Elliot goes home at a decent hour than Elliot himself is, but still. It's a hard situation to be caught in for all of them. Privately, he thinks it might be harder for him to see Olivia with someone else, though. A youthful indiscretion had led Elliot to marriage before he and Kathy had even truly been adults. He hadn't known Olivia then, and hadn't even anticipated meeting her. He knows her now, though, and it cuts him to the quick to watch her seek out other men, knowing that they're soulmates. Elliot and Kathy arrive at the restaurant a few minutes early. It's not an overly fancy place, but it's comfortable, quiet, and Elliot thinks Don might have chosen it because he knows they won't be disrupting anyone when they inevitably get a little too ruckus. Olivia and Finn are the last ones to show up. Munch is making a joke about his partner and how he's not how he's likely not to show up at all when the door at the other end of the open dining area opens, and four of them veritably fall through the opening in mid-laugh. It's Finn and Olivia and their dates, and even before he sees her, Elliot knows that Olivia is the one laughing. He can feel it, the light-hearted happiness that lights her up from the inside out, and he bites the side of his tongue with the effort of keeping himself from smiling in response. You're late, Munch calls teasingly. Man, what'd I tell you, Liv? Finn asks as their little group joins the rest of the squad. Old man's probably been staring at his watch like a disapproving father for the last 20 minutes. Olivia's laughter practically sparkles as it trips out of her throat and fills the space around them. We're right on time, John. Hellos and introductions are made as Olivia settles into the seat directly across from Elliot. He does his best to pay attention and remember everyone's names. Smile as he shakes Finn's date's hand. Her name is Phoebe, and she was Finn's partner. And there is absolutely no way he can keep his eyes from darting to Olivia when Finn lets that detail slip and not glower at Olivia's date, David. Even though Elliot hates seeing Olivia with other men and hates how hypocritical that makes him, Dinner actually goes really well. The conversation is relatively easy, and someone is always ready to steer them back to safer topics when they start to veer too far into work territory. 
and it's easier to pretend he doesn't see David's arm around Olivia's shoulders or on her thigh when he's too busy noticing Olivia instead. She's wearing red. He loves it when she wears red, loves the way it heightens the flush of her lips and cheeks and complements her skin tone. Olivia is in rare form tonight. She's barely stopped smiling since she's shown up, and her laughter comes easily, freely, and she lights up the table like a firework. Her energy is impossible to resist, and Elliot hasn't seen everyone smile like this in far too long. Even Kathy's smile doesn't fall for long. Elliot knows it's not an accident when Olivia's foot comes to rest against his under the table, unseen and unnoticed by anyone else. She's wearing heels, but he's wearing a pair of his nice loafers, so it's not like they're doing anything wrong. Their skin isn't even touching, and they're not playing footsie. But even if they were, Elliot knows he wouldn't care. Not touching her is impossible in moments like this. Her joy is a beacon that draws him in and heightens his own happiness, and he needs the physicality to anchor him to her, to remind him that even now, they're a team, connected. The first turn of the night comes not long after everyone's plates have been cleared away because, as usual, Elliot and Olivia give themselves away. It's bound to happen because it always does, because there's really nothing they can do to stop it from happening. Intimacy makes itself known, sooner or later. Munch has somehow gotten them started on the topic of love languages. What the hell is a love language, Finn asks. No idea, Elliot says with a shrug and swig from his beer bottle. I've told you about them, Kathy immediately corrects him, and even though she's glaring at him, she's also smiling, so he knows she's not actually upset. Munch gives them a quick rundown. There are five of them, apparently, and everyone has a primary and a secondary love language, but displays all five to some degree. Kathy and Munch and even Phoebe are immediately excited about it. They are the resident experts, apparently, and the funniest thing is that even Cragen seems to be enjoying the conversation. But, like most things, it sparks a debate. Oh no, Munch is saying to Finn. Your primary love language is definitely quality time. Ah, hell no, Finn shoots back while Phoebe laughs. Are you kidding? All the time we spend together? Of course it is. Believe me, partner, I'm not wrong about this. You're an awful old man, you know that much? Olivia hasn't stopped laughing in the last five minutes, but she manages to do so now to add, I actually have to agree with John on this one, Finn. Ugh, not you two. I thought we were friends, Liv. Then John's has to be words of affirmation, Don chimes in. How the hell do you come by that one? Elliot asks mid-laugh. All those conspiracy theories, Cragen shoots back. He never shuts up. When the laughter has died down enough for conversation to resume, Olivia leans forward on her elbows and looks down the table where Munch sits. Her expression is soft and her cheeks are ruddy, her face glowing with the happiness she can't contain, and her voice is sweet when she speaks. Actually, I think he's right about that one, John. You always offer me encouragement and check in on me when I'm having a hard day, she tells him with obvious tenderness. Only because you're my favorite, Olivia. Liv is everyone's favorite, Finn retorts. 
Olivia snorts and stares at him in disbelief before cutting her eyes at the captain. Clearly you haven't been there enough for my dressing downs from Cragen. I only get on you when I have to. So is that quality time or words of affirmation, Elliot teases. Words of affirmation, Olivia says quickly, grinning at him over the top of her wine glass. Are you kidding? We're guaranteed to be there a minimum of ten minutes. It's definitely quality time. It'd be less if you just keep your big mouth shut. My big mouth? They're laughing at each other now, teasing and lighthearted and zeroed in on nothing but each other. I'm going to start keeping a tally of all the times you just have to get the last word in. I bet you lunch for a week that your number is higher, Olivia challenges, and holds her hand out over the table in the universal signal of a deal being struck. For a month, Elliot shoots back gleefully as he reaches over and grasps her hand in a shake. And it has to be, do not say shawarma, El, we are not doing that again. You can't put any restrictions on a deal after it's been struck. We will starve before I eat that much shawarma, Elliot, I swear to God. As so often happens, they don't realize what they've done, how they've blocked out the rest of the table and fallen into a world of their own, until someone calls their attention to it with an expertly cleared throat. They drop each other's hands quickly, even as their feet press tighter together under the table. While clearly Liv's primary love language is also words of affirmation, Munch jokes. No, Phoebe says with an easy grin. Bets and challenges? Definitely acts of service. Actually, Cragen starts, and his tone has that thoughtful, serious bent to it. In Liv's case, I agree with John. Words of affirmation. She's the one to offer encouragement and empathy. Or tell someone to go to hell, Elliot mutters. Nah, man, she only says that to you, Finn shoots back. Which must make yours, John begins. Physical touch, Elliot and Olivia say at the same time, and everyone that works with them dissolves into laughter. Why physical touch? Phoebe asks curiously. Because he's known to hit things when he's angry, Kathy offers. Like NYPD property, Cragen says dryly, glaring at his detective. And that's true, but Elliot and Olivia know the truth. Under the table, her foot slides in a little farther until he can feel until he can feel the brush of her ankle against his sock. The second turn of the night comes when they're all getting ready to leave, and Elliot and Olivia don't even know that it happens. They're standing with Finn and Munch near the table as they wait for their server to return with their receipts. Kathy, Phoebe, and David who has said relatively little through the evening but seems to be enjoying himself just the same, are standing with Don, who is talking about something work-related with Phoebe. Kathy is watching her husband and his partner. She can't take her eyes off of them. They're standing the way they always do, too close together with their shoulders touching, and they're both grinning widely at something Finn is saying. She wonders if they know they've dressed alike. Elliot's shirt is a slate gray button-down. He's rolled the sleeves up to his elbows, and even with his hands tucked into his pockets, Kathy can see where the line of his forearm brushes against the line of Olivia's. And his pants are solid black. Olivia's bright red shirt is a splash of color against her black shirt. 
They look good together. She wishes they didn't. She told me about Finn and Phoebe, David says quietly. Kathy looks at the man standing next to her. He's tall, like Elliot, but dark-haired and dark-eyed like Olivia. What about them? That they're soulmates. That surprises Kathy. Elliot has never said anything about Finn having found his soulmate. Maybe he doesn't know, or maybe they just don't talk enough anymore for it to have come up. Their relationship has been fraying for years now. She told me about him, too, Elliot. Kathy considers that, wonders why Olivia has chosen to share that with her date, that she's already found her soulmate, and that he's going to be at the dinner she's invited him to. That doesn't bother you? Should it? They're not together, and she was upfront about it. But don't you want to find yours? Don't you? David shoots back. Kathy turns her gaze away from him in an effort to hide the fact that he's just hit a tender spot. At first, it hadn't been a big deal. So what if Elliot isn't her soulmate? He's a good man and the father of her children, and they love each other. Finding Olivia hadn't made him go back on his promise or step out on their marriage, no matter how much he might think about it, how much he might want to. But that's changed in the last few years. Kathy doesn't see Elliot and Olivia together often, but every time she does, it's another arrow to the heart. She wants that for herself. She wants to know if her perfect other is out there somewhere, looking for her, wants the opportunity to look for that same connection for herself. I found my soulmate, David tells her after a minute. She died six years ago. I'm sorry to hear that. I understand how hard it must be to see them together and how impossible it is to look away. There's a gravity to it that pulls you in. They could bend the planets between them with the force of it. Why are you telling me this? Kathy wants it to sound angry, but it comes out tired instead. Because you deserve to find that too, if you can. Because I know what it feels like to be missing something. Their server has returned and handed the pile of receipts to Don. Olivia laughs loud and bright and Kathy watches that all happen in slow motion. Elliot bumps her playfully with his elbow, and Olivia latches a hand around his forearm, half turning in her spot to chide him for something even as they grin at each other, and Finn and Munch try to get a word in edgewise. Elliot's hand is still in his pocket, but he pulls his arm tight into his side to trap Olivia's hand in its spot, but she doesn't even bother pretending to let go. Yeah. Kathy murmurs. She asks Elliot for a divorce three days later. She wishes she could say it's an accident, but it's not. It's inevitable, like rain or taxes or the sunrise. She doesn't know how they've made it this long. Eight years of partnership, a year of Elliot learning how to be a single adult man for the first time in his life. It's always been just a matter of time before they ended up here. Olivia doesn't need that ever-present hum in her veins to tell her that it's Elliot behind the pounding on her door. She knows it's him the second she hears the footsteps in the hall. She's ready for the fight the moment she opens the door. That's all they've been doing lately, fighting. The Gatano case, Oregon, Danny Beck. Anything and everything that can come between them is, has, 
and is apparently going to continue to do so. Olivia isn't even sure she remembers what they're fighting about this time. You're getting really good at that, Elliot accuses, even as he's sweeping past her and into her apartment, disappearing. Oh, fuck you, Elliot, Olivia snarls. She practically slams the door as she stalks across the room to him. Why are you even here? I'm tired, and I'm not in the mood to put up with your shit. My shit? He repeats, affronted. How about all the shit I've had to put up with from you lately? Asking for another partner? Disappearing without telling me? Oh good, we're back to that, Olivia thinks. You're the one who made it clear that we couldn't choose each other over the job, Elliot. As if there's ever been any other choice. She mutters the last part, acidic and angry. Elliot has started to turn away from her, but he spins back now, in a fury. What the hell does that mean? You know what it means. How could you honestly think that I would do that? That I would ever shoot you, Elliot? That I could cause your death? Me? Me? Olivia. You're a son of a bitch, Elliot. How dare you ask me to make that choice? Something that's been coiled too tightly in her chest for days now is starting to uncoil, and the emotion is so strong that she doesn't know if it originates with her or with him. How could you do that to me? It comes out so much softer than she intends, a little too broken at the end, when she's meant it to be an accusation. But that sting of emotion is unfurling now, and it's going to drown her. It's going to sweep her out into an unforgiving sea, and Olivia knows that she won't be strong enough to hold on. Live, Elliot says, and she realizes that her shoulders have begun to cave in only when she collapses into his chest even though she hasn't even been aware of his movement. I'm sorry. You're right, okay? I didn't... God, I'm so sorry, Olivia. Their no-touching rule hasn't held up since that holiday dinner last year, but they've never allowed themselves to touch in moments like these. Emotional moments are hard enough to navigate with the heightened sensitivity that their connection affords, but physical touch... In the span of one breath to the next, it's clear why touching is too much. It's clear that sooner or later, they were always going to end up here. That rush of warmth and buoyancy that always accompanies touching Elliot washes over Olivia the moment her forehead connects with his chest. It's like floating, she thinks, weightless and drifting. Except that they've been fighting for days, weeks at this point actually, and Olivia is crying despite her best effort not to, and everything that they are and aren't and are about to be explodes between them. One second, Elliot's hands are on her shoulders, and the next, they're on her face, warming her cheeks, and Olivia has a split second to see the love and devastation on his face before he's crushing his mouth to hers. The shock of it, the way that ever-present hum that she has lived with since the day they met sparks and sings through her blood like an exposed wire makes her gasp and latch onto his wrists. The sound that Elliot makes is unbelievable. Olivia has never heard him make that sound before, and then she opens her mouth beneath his to trace the seam of his lips with her tongue, and he makes it again. Olivia has had great sex before. Impatient, rushed, Fantastic sex. This is everything and nothing like that. She has no awareness of her movements 
or their surroundings or anything that's not Elliot and the way he makes her feel as they tear at each other's clothes right there in the middle of her living room. Olivia's apartment is full of the sounds of their frantic first time. Labored breathing and moans and sharp curses. They don't even try to make it to the bedroom. They're on their knees together, too desperate to stop kissing long enough to be graceful. And then Olivia is pushing Elliot onto his back on the carpet and straddling him with single-minded focus. They're naked, and later, when they're on the hunt for something to eat, they'll laugh about how they managed to throw their clothes everywhere, but none of that matters now. All that matters is the way Olivia takes his cock in her hand and lines him up with her entrance, sliding his tip through her wetness, before finally sinking down on him with a loud, unrestrained moan of pleasure. Fuck, Liv. Elliot manages through a clenched jaw as his fingers dig into the skin of her thighs. You feel so good. Olivia can't breathe. She's never felt so fulfilled, so whole and complete and perfect. And it's so overwhelming that she's going to cry. This is what they were meant to be. How they've always been meant to be. And the eight years of waiting for this moment suddenly feels like purgatory. She's glad that she didn't know it would be like this. Glad that she didn't know what she's been missing because nothing will ever keep her from doing this again. From Elliot, from them, from who they are together. Olivia will ruin herself for this. This man, this moment, this future. She will tear the world asunder to have it, to keep it. L, she whispers, but she can't manage anything else. It's too much. I know, he says, because he does know. They're a feedback loop that's finally closed. She can see it in his face, feel it in the way his rough hands glide over her soft skin. Everything she's feeling, every shock of emotion and sensation doubled and given right back to her. Whole and complete and matched. Mated. Olivia has always thought that their first time, if they were ever given the chance to have a first time, would be tender, slow, exploratory, and reverent. She wishes it could be, and next time she promises herself it will be. But it's not. The rush of emotion and excitement and sensation drives her into a pace that's almost blinding as she rides him. But Elliot is right there with her every moment, even as he memorizes the way the sweat makes her skin glisten in the amber lights of her living room, and the mules of pleasure she makes as she chases her orgasm. Elliot slams into her, pressing her thighs down and against his sides for leverage as he meets her rhythm. And he'd be embarrassed about how quickly he's about to fall apart if this was anyone else. If it weren't Olivia, his partner, his soulmate, above him, wild and beautiful, in the throes of passion. Jesus, Liv. He wants to hold on, prolong everything about this moment, but the pressure at the base of his spine has built to an unsustainable level, and he knows that he only has seconds to warn her. Come on, baby, she encourages, breathless. I'm here. I'm with you. Then, Olivia's head tips back, the waterfall of her hair cascading down her back as she comes. Her inner walls flutter and clutch at him, and Elliot's orgasm leaves him gasping with the force of it. Hours or days or months slip away as they wade through their pleasure and back to the world. 
Olivia finally collapses against his chest, and they stay like that for long minutes, naked and holding each other on her living room floor. I'm going to have bruises on my knees, she says after a while. Elliot laughs. It's a bubble that floats up out of his chest and bursts into the space around them, and he can feel the answering smile that it brings from Olivia. When she draws her head up to look down at him, she's glowing and golden, happier than he's ever seen her. I love you. It's all he can think or feel or articulate. It's everything and not enough all at once. The strongest words he has and the weakest explanation he's ever heard for what's inside him. But Olivia understands. Olivia is right there with him, the way she always is. Always has been, always will be. I love you too. In some ways, these have been the longest eight years of their lives. In other ways, it feels like their first meeting was just yesterday. Detective Stabler, Olivia Benson, I'm your new partner. Whatever comes next won't be perfect. They're still themselves, still prone to arguing and misunderstanding each other, willfully or otherwise but they'll figure it out. Nothing has been more earned than this relationship they've built. No bond more instantaneous or genuine, even when it's misunderstood or strained or hidden. It's always been there, and it always will be. And even on the days when they believe in nothing else, their faith in each other will remain, unshaken and eternal. Even if they weren't soulmates, Elliot thinks that would still be true. In any world, in any life, it would still be them, together, no matter what. If you like this story, please follow the link to the writer's page and leave some love. Kudos, comments, or subscribe. They'll love hearing from you. Then you can head over to our Patreon page and contribute to Audio Fanfic Podcast. As a member, you are granted early access to one new story per month. That's www.patreon.com slash audiofanficpod. Thank you for listening, and remember, the stories are out there.